I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our Ford podcast. This might be college football. We are back. Uh, what, an, what an afternoon this has been. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation with Kevin Steele. What insight uh, to somebody who has uh, a 40-plus year college football career. We also had a conversation with Gene Sullivan uh, in the five o'clock hour, the uh, widow of the legendary Heisman Trophy winner, Pat Sullivan, about the tragedy uh, and the announcement of the death of Terry Beasley uh, late last night, uh, the All-American Hall of Fame wide receiver of of the Sullivan era from Auburn. Let's get back to uh, the phone calls. Wilbur Hackett will join us at the bottom of this hour, another uh, Hall of Famer. Let's uh, check in with Wyatt in Knoxville. Hello, Wyatt. Hey, Mr. Feinbaum. How are you doing? We're doing well. Thank you. Good. I just wanted to hear if you had any insight or an opinion on the current NCAA investigation at the uh, University of Tennessee. I'm a student here, so I just wanted to know more. Well, I know, I know I've heard from some friends of mine uh, over there, and, and even uh, I heard from the sports editor of the uh, school newspaper about uh, how galvanized everyone is uh, in relation to what uh, Chancellor Plowman said. Uh, I'm, I'm more curious, uh, before I even try to answer, how, how the students feel. What, what are you hearing from your friends? You know, I'm with a couple of my buddies right now, actually, and, you know, I think everybody's pretty, pretty upset about what's going on. It kind of seems like a, a witch hut witch hunt you know everybody's out to get us i feel like well i think that's an accurate description i think that's one reason why you've heard such uh such loud voices from tennessee administrators and and this isn't just because people hate the ncaa which they do and they're justified in in that feeling Uh, but it's just uh with everybody doing the same thing uh, i don't understand uh what prompted this uh and, and why Tennessee's case is different, and you are, you've heard this because you work, you live there, but Tennessee mm-hmm. is Tennessee's in a very narrow window with the NCAA. So if they actually could make these charges stick, which I don't think they can, uh, Tennessee would would pay a, a a terrible price, where anybody else would get off with a, a traffic ticket. Yeah, I, I totally agree with it's, that. It seems like, like so. It seems like it's a selective prosecution. I think that would be the most adult way of saying if I was sitting around uh, with you guys having a beer, I'd be a lot stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I just feel like, you know, since we've kind of been on the come up, I've been a Vol fan my whole life. I've sat in nailing with my grandparents, you know, watching us get our butt beat in by, uh, you know, Alabama, Georgia, all those years. And it finally feels like we're on the come up here, you know, with Nico and everything. So it really does feel very uh, subjective with what they're doing. Well, I'll just give you an opinion, uh, however educated it is or isn't. Uh, but 
I don't think the NCAA will ever lay a glove on Tennessee in this particular case. Thank God. Uh, so you, rest easy, uh, because if they do, uh, they will potentially be brought to their knees in court. And I don't think it is worth it to make a to make a stand on a case that they are ultimately going to lose. I mean, why, why do you fight about uh, whether somebody uh, has uh, has acts, has inadvertently or purposely parked their car in front of your house when if you if you end up uh, Telling them to move, uh, the whole thing may go, you, the, the, your whole house may go down in flames. It's not worth it. Uh, thank you very yeah. much for the call. Really uh, great to hear from students. Lo love to hear from uh, more students uh, at Tennessee and other places about how they feel because I think that is a pretty accurate description. Speaking of that, I-Man is up next. Hey, good afternoon, Paul. Hey there. You know, this, this Tennessee thing, this could, do you think this has the potential to be the first shot across the bow where the SEC and the Big Ten make a decision for themselves versus the NCAA? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree. I'm really interested and in, in, in curious about where the conferences are going to stand because uh, they're in a prickly position, I'm in, because they sit at the table with these muckety-mucks and they, uh, they act like they all get along even though they're probably laughing at the NCAA behind their back. And I, would you think that the, if the Big Ten and the SEC left the NCAA, they'd be devastating to the cash flow of the NCAA cow? Yeah, they'd be out of business because uh, – and frankly, I, I, I think ultimately we're going to get there and maybe uh, include a few more along the way. But right. it, it, the, the, the thing that, that pains me uh, is that it's, things move at such a uh, glacier pace that – even if you wanted to do that, it would be hard to do. You could, I mean, we've seen football change. I mean, I mean we, we just got through watching how, how long it took for Oklahoma and Texas, and that was all because of contracts and litigation. Now, to the Big Ten's right. credit, they, they moved this thing pretty quickly. Uh, so it, I think it could be done a lot, which, which you have to have, and uh, you, you have to be careful about collusion. Uh, I mean, right now the NCAA has multiple contracts with guess who? Uh, ESPN for, for women's basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics. They have a contract with CBS and, and Turner for the men's basketball tournament, which is a billion-dollar operation. So you, it, could that be made up? Yeah, but you, you have to th – those are, those are important factors that a lot of people are not considering right now. And I agree. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff hidden that hasn't even began to surface. And uh, let me ask you another question. I find you to be a an unbiased fella. Okay. Chuckle, chuckle, laugh, laugh, poke, poke. Right. Uh, what is what is it with the Bama fans when? All right. Let's just take me for instance. When I call him, he's just a Bama hater. He don't talk about anything, but his you know he never talks about his school. But I do stay on topic, and I think that's very important. We tend to have topics, not always. It's a caller-driven show, but the topics are, I'm usually following the topics. Do I have fun with them? Absolutely. I think that's what maybe drives the bammers over the edge, and I know that I'm good at it. That, that's, that's got to really suck, knowing that I know that I can push them around, rough up the hair, and just keep walking. And uh, 
But what is the difference when you've got a school that's singing, we just beat the hell out of you. They they dislike every other program in the country, but then they're solely focused on Auburn. But then they say Auburn is solely focused on Alabama. And I think Auburn and Alabama are focused on each other because they're in the state. They, they are competitive with one another, and that's just the way it is. And we don't have professional sports. We've got that. And uh, But what is the difference in them hating? All right, let's see. All right, what – you go in a room with 100 people, 80 of them are Bama fans, 10 of them Auburn fans, and the other 10 are various fans. So we know the Bama's outnumber us because they're just everywhere. So who who is who's doing the most hating, and is it equal? And, uh, and is it fair for the Bama's to always kind of crawl under a blanket and hide behind the term Bama hater? Well, you you've, uh, you, you've asked me uh... – I mean, I feel like I need to maybe do a dissertation or maybe a, get a doctorate in this question that you've asked me. Can you give me a couple of years so I can research it? <laughs> no, you ain't got a couple of years. You just got to <laughs> listen 45 minutes. I mean, You're you, right you about know. that. But, but, the, but, but, but I am correct. And you, I know that I'm real good at pushing the Bammers around. You are. I know that, that I'm. You're I'm the number really one Auburn uh, Bama pusher, button pusher. Rounder. Bama push around, yeah. I mean, you got you got you got uh, a guy that uh, you got a guy down the street from you in uh, Pell City that's trying to be, but he hasn't gone to the I Man School of Button Pushing yet. Well, he just hadn't had twenty years experience. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you're the you're a veteran. I mean, you you were there day one. And and they've been listening to day one, and I've been following topic, and I've been yeah, I, I, and I take it to the cutting edge of uh, pushing them off the cliff. But I always reach over and grab them by the overall strap if I can try to pull them back. Yeah, up. no, you, you yeah, don't let them drown. I mean, you up. let them choke a little bit, cough up water. Yeah, yeah. And and when they pull them up on the curb, they get scratched up and skin up, and they might have to go see their mama and get some 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 antibiotics or something. Yeah. But I don't leave them out there for dead. Maybe black and bruised, but that's just the way it is. Uh, and I, I think that that's the number one thing. They just can't take the, the calmness of my tone and the uh, levity that I yeah. bring to the table you're, you're, and the honesty. You're the, you're the guy that, uh, that does it to them every time, right, Randy? Uh, and, and I'm good at it. That's what good. Oh, you're so good so at it. You're so good at it, I man. I mean, I'm so good I ought to get a Zippo letter out of that, you think? Yeah, we'll get you one, I'm in. Got real quiet. You got real quiet. I'm, che- I'm checking. I'm, I'm checking Amazon right now. I got one. Uh, got one for three ninety nine. It's coming and, to you. Coming and, to you and, immediately. And, well, that'd be fine. And I'd like to give my condolences to the Beasley family. I met Terry a couple times. A, a real good friend of mine's good friends of his. Uh, met Terry several times. Autographed a book for me. We sat and talked for several hours. And I tell you what. Pat Sullivan does not have a Heisman Trophy for all the good qualities that Pat Sullivan brought to the table. But when you look at college football, I don't think anybody laid it on the line any more than Terry Beasley did. No, and the, and, and, and yeah. I mean, uh, he would do it again, uh, and the tragedy is Absolutely. all those hits he took and Pat took uh, sadly and tragically affected uh, their quality of life. Everything. Yeah. Everything. War Dam Eagle, have a good afternoon, Paul. Thank you very much. Yeah, we spent a lot of time uh, on Terry Beasley's passing. And, uh, you know, I mean, I remember when Pat passed away, it was, it was equally tragic. But uh, it, 
there's just something about this that is just tugging at everybody today that, that knew Terry and, and loved him and revered him. Thank you so much for the call. Knox is up next in, in Tennessee. Knox, you are on the air. Hello. Hey, Paul. I just wanted to say that I've, uh, I want to talk about how Jer Moorhead, the University of Georgia's president, is clearly behind all these NCAA allegations against Tennessee. Well, before you uh, even make another statement, I would like to clarify something. Jerry Moorhead is the president of the University of Georgia. Uh, he has been president of the NCAA. He's also been president, uh, he's currently the president, I think, of the NCAA uh, Council, which is the over, I may have that described incorrectly, but I've talked to President Moorhead many times, and, and he, is, he, he heads the overriding governing body of the NCAA. It's very influential. Uh, I, I will also add to you, without knowing what you're going to say next, that Jerry Moorhead would not have one thing to do with an enforcement investigation. And, if I, and, and the Jerry Moorhead I know, and I feel like I know him, uh, would stand on the side of Tennessee every day. See, I, I think you'd think that, but then when you really look at it, Tennessee's narrowing that gap on Georgia. Yeah. Our recruiting's getting better. We've got a star quarterback. The only people that they're really going after right now are Florida and Tennessee, two of their biggest rivals. Yeah. I mean, it's well, like we've well, got well, the Knox, guy right listen, there. I, I applaud exactly you for, for sounding like a fan, uh, which is what you expect on a program like this. Uh, but I feel very comfortable in my knowledge of, of Jerry, uh, who's a respected, uh, revered uh, administrator and leader in college athletics. And, and uh, he is not taking, uh, he, he is not involved in, in the prosecution of, of Tennessee. Uh, mark my word. Take that one to your favorite bank. We will be back. More to come right after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's HIMS.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hardments are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
We've had so much going on tonight, we really haven't had a chance to, we talked about it in the first hour, but uh, what, a, what an incredible uh, upset and great win for uh, Coach Golden at Florida, winning last night at Rupp Arena. Uh, surprised we haven't had more com comment on that today, but things have been pretty active. Let's uh, get to the calls, and Frank is up next. Uh, hey, Frank. Hi, Paul. How are you doing today? We are doing great. Paul, man. Man, my, my little niece, uh, we sat around one drink coffee, and uh, R.K. West, he uh, told me, uh, what, you know, she heard, she's heard me call you about, about Coach DeBose. Yeah. Uh, she said, what about his coach, uh, his assistant coaches? Uh, what do you know about them? I know he's brought a lot with him. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we, uh, we, we talked about this briefly earlier today, but Ryan Grubbs, who is his number one coach, uh, remember Nick Saban tried to hire him a year ago. He's the offensive coordinator. Uh, it, it has not been officially announced, but it's been presumed that he would be the, the OC. Uh, there was a report out today that he is being looked at by the C Seattle Seahawks. So I, that, that, that's a... Uh, that's a really big deal, um, and I don't know which way it's going to go. But if they end up losing him, uh, that is a significant change, and we'll ju we'll just have to see what the next day or two brings. Thank you very much uh, for the call. Cooper is in Tennessee. Hello, Cooper. Hey, Cooper. Hey, Paul. What's hey. up? Good afternoon. Um, so, obviously, Tennessee has been being, in my opinion, wrongfully investigated by the NCAA. And I was just wanting to know if you think um, that they might start cracking down on any other schools soon. Well, it depends on whether they have a couple of thousand investigators, because I can, I can recommend about 25 or 30 places they can find the same issues that Tennessee allegedly has. I mean, everyone is doing the same thing. It's just... A matter of degrees and, and I, I, I say this a lot but I'm going to say it again if you don't cooperate with the NCAA meaning uh, like Tennessee did three years ago and essentially roll over they have no chance I mean they are incompetent I mean they're I mean I, I'm trying to think of a, a way to describe their investigators uh, I mean I, I don't want to uh, be yeah I was about to say that but but when you when you insult Barney Fife I mean, a lot of people really like Barney, yeah, he's a good guy. but they're not good guys. I mean, they are, they're the Keystone cops. I mean, you couldn't, you could get their, their, their 10 best investigators and give them a GPS and, and they still couldn't find Knoxville, Tennessee. I mean, they are, they are total clowns. Uh, these are, I mean, they used to have attorneys. A friend of mine used to be an NCAA investigator. He was a, he was an attorney first in his class. Uh, I mean, they used to have high quality people. Now nobody, they, they, they literally get guys, I mean, they're temporaries, like, you know, you know I'll, I'll do this, uh, because they're, they're, they really don't ever, they don't do anything. Uh, the, I used to be an investigative reporter, and the NCAA would always, they'd always, they'd call you, like, as soon as you wrote a story, and they'd go, hey, what do, what do you know? I'm like going, what, what do I know? I just wrote the story, man. Like, I mean, all they were trying to do is get information. Uh, because they, they have never independently broken a story in, in modern time, and they're not going to be able to break this one. Thanks for the call. Uh, I mean, just do not cooperate with the NCAA. Do not answer their calls. The only thing they can do is, is hit you with lack of institutional control, but 
They're not going to get that done either. Uh, Johnny B is up next. Hey, Paul. I appreciate you taking my call. I know sure. I, I cut up a lot and everything, but I've walked back and forth probably a mile on the back porch thinking about whether I wanted to, you know, make this call. But, uh, you know, hearing about Terry Beasley and, uh, you know, the possible suicide and CTE and, and the spinal cord injuries, and, uh, you know, I played, and I don't think it matters what level you are, but I busted two helmets and I caved in a face mask and I, I had a lot of uh, damage in my neck and spine. And, uh, you know, when you're in constant pain and, and you're, you know, you're a macho man, you've played, you want to, you want to hear that crowd roar when you hit them. And, you know, what they call targeting is exactly how I hit. If you think yeah, about no, it, I think you're right. Uh, somebody told me today that targeting uh, in the seventies, uh, what, what, what was a tackle in the seventies is targeting today. Yeah. If you think back, Chucky Mullins went to Russell just a few right. years, uh, after me and he, he was paralyzed and, and died from his injuries from that thing. But, uh, you know, what you don't realize is when you're in that much pain and, and you, you do, you, you drink, you take pills, you do whatever you think. And, you know, I ran into my doctor yesterday getting a biscuit and he was behind me in a body and he called to check up on me and I was like you know it's a miracle I was honestly listening to your show on the headphones and this new doctor came to the shows with these injections that they do in, in your spine and neck mm -hmm. and I went from just living in pure hell to uh to actually having some quality of life now but uh he asked me you know and we talked about it and I said yes yeah, suicide crossed my mind it really did because when you're in that much pain you just don't have any other option. And I guess just praying and actually the timing of that guy coming here has saved my life. But, you know, when you're in that situation, all I can say is reach out to somebody, never give up, and just keep praying because you don't ever know what another person is feeling. There's no way they measure pain. They just have to take your word for it. But when you see somebody take their life, I felt like it was important for me to share I've been close. I didn't. I'm glad. And I got better. And I just wanted everybody to know that, you know, you can be a big old man. You want to hear the crowd go crazy. And then you're sent home, you know, regardless of if you made pro or whatever, you, you committed to that. And then you fed off that. And then, you, you know, Johnny, I, I think we've all life. been there. You know, uh, the things we've done in our lives, especially when we were younger, uh, that made no sense whatsoever, but we did them, and most of us would do it, do do them again. Um, oh, I heard you say it a while ago. Yeah. I'd do it again, sure, a hundred times over. But I guarantee you, I'd listen to my coaches now, and right. I'd use that shoulder, and I'd use a better technique. Yeah. And so, if you're out there playing, guys, listen to me, man. I'm 60. And this is hell. Uh, there's a lot of other people I'm sure hurting. So, no, no, know, I'm glad you said that because because we tend to we tend to uh, look at people who. Uh, and we've all been there, uh, directly or through friends, family. And Johnny, thank you for sharing that. And it's easy to judge and say, well, how could somebody get hooked on something? But you talk to professionals on both sides, uh, and they can explain it. And I, I had something wrong with me a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I, I, I asked uh, my wife, and she said, well, why don't you take some Advil? I go, I, I don't know if I really... She said, she likes, are you out of your mind? I said, well, that's another conversation. Um, but, but, 
but I think we all, we all are, uh, especially when we've seen it firsthand, and I have, and, uh, uh, from, from people who, who have been addicted, and it's, it's, it's incredibly eye-opening. We'll take a break. We talked to uh, somebody who played the game at the highest level and uh, is considered uh, an absolute legend in the state of Kentucky. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. A couple of months ago on a beautiful Friday afternoon in Lexington, uh, we had a chance to talk to Wilbur Hackett uh, Jr. Uh, just a couple of uh, yards away from a statue that uh, where he and three of his teammates uh, are, are honored and, and remembered uh, who broke the color barrier at the University of Kentucky as we began Black History Month. Wilbur, it is so great to uh, reconnect with you, and, and thank you for the time. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, our visit in, in Lexington, and uh, I hope all is well with you. Good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, Paul, and thank you again for having me. I certainly enjoyed spending my t- time with you and while you were in Lexington. I peppered so, you on your uh, career, and your, especially your officiating, but I'm going to save the officiating for the next time I see you because there are too many people that have complaints. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Wilbur, but uh, you, you were a longtime SEC official. But let me, let me talk about uh, this moment in time. Uh, we had uh, Dr. King's birthday a couple weeks ago, and now we're spending uh, so much time uh, just remembering uh, the giants uh, who, who came before you and after you. And as you reflect back, it's been a few years, obviously, but uh, the courage that your colleagues that we've talked about in the past and, and continue to honor uh, – Go back in that for that moment in time, because it was different for everyone. But you, you told me about how your family, uh, uh, you know, you had quite a few conversations about your decision to go to the University of Kentucky. Well, yes, uh, no, no doubt. Um, I uh, fortunately had an opportunity to go to uh, a, a pretty good football player. I had an opportunity to go to uh, several uh, different, had several different offers. Uh, and uh, and one of those offers was from, uh, of course, Kentucky. And um, and at, at the time, I, I didn't realize how how strongly associated my family was. My my parents uh, were associated with with the University of Kentucky. Uh, they were they had been fans back in the '40s and the '50s when it wasn't popular for uh, African Americans to be UK supporters or fans. So it was um, when when I <clears throat> was recruited. 
when the time came to make a, deci- a decision, I, I had decided on uh, Michigan State. But uh, my parents, uh, my parents interjected that uh, they felt like the Kentucky was a place for me to go, uh, was a place for me to sign. So that's what I ended up doing. And it was like one of my church members told me that uh, he, had, I asked him one time how how long he'd been a, a member of the church, and he said eighty one years, and he was eighty one years old. So <laughs> his answer was, "I've been a." I've been a, a church member since I was in the womb, and that's kind of how I felt about going to Kentucky. I didn't realize that my parents were such uh, big fans, and so I've been a, uh, didn't know it, but a big Kentucky. You know, Wilbur, what you what you said is so interesting because uh, I mean, I've run into so many people who who, who stay in state, and a lot of, a lot of, today it's different. You know that, but. But mm-hmm. if you, had you gotten to Michigan State and had a big career, I, I'm sure you would have been content. But uh, it, it's your, your life is probably different uh, where you live now uh, in the state of Kentucky than it would have been had you gone up there. Oh, w- without without question. Uh, well, first of all, uh, uh, Michigan State uh, <clears throat> again it was my first choice. But uh, I uh, by saying it. Uh, at home, it gave my parents an opportunity to to watch me play. And I'm from a, a small town, 12 miles east of uh, Lexington, Winchester, Kentucky. So my fa- my family and friends there had a, got an opportunity to see me play. And 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 quite frankly, uh, it was time for uh, because Nate and Greg were there, and they 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 needed the, the thing Greg uh, said to me was, "We need more African Americans." We need more black players to come here and support us, so we can we can change things here. So, and, and my parents, uh, you know, UK was just a, it was the right fit, and uh, and if I had to do it all over again, no doubt I would do the same thing. And I know a lot of things happened after that uh, because I, I I've spent a lot of time uh, uh, around uh, young men, not young men anymore, but. Uh, who, who players who were young men uh, during your era who who broke that barrier and the difficulty of it? In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was with a, a room full of them in, in Alabama who had done something similar. But Kentucky was really uh, a little bit ahead of everyone else, uh, or most everyone else, weren't they? Well, no, no question. And and the fact that we were the northern uh, most uh, the northernmost uh, state in the in the SEC, I think, had a lot to do with it. But also because of the uh, administration, uh, uh, the president uh, at the university and, and the athletic department had made a commitment to change things. And, and no doubt, uh, being a, a product and a child of the 60s and me, witness, me witnessing Jim Crow and segregation and, and uh, busing and, 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 and black people still being hung, it was, uh, it was time for a change. And uh, I was just... And to support Nate and Greg, and because my parents were were, were content on on me on seeing me play, and my family and friends, it was just the right thing to do at the right time. I know this sounds silly, Wilbur, um, but you know, here you are in the in the late mid to late '60s, doing something. Did I mean? There's no way a young man could have probably uh, thought ahead. But did you, did you ever? Could you have ever believed uh, when you signed with the UK and joined your friends, your, who would later become your friends for life, that that we would be talking about this uh, 50, 60, almost 60 years later? You know, absolutely not, uh, Paul. Uh, 
The only thing that that I uh, I thought about was going going to to college. And quite frankly, I, I knew I was a pretty good football player, but really never thought about college until my junior year when I started getting letters. But it was the uh, I, I just never thought much about it. And uh, uh, but as, as as the time got near, uh, uh, I, and people started saying, "Well, why would you go up there, or why would you go to?" A segregated place like Kentucky and play in the South. I said, "Well, you know, again, you know, it was a, it was the changing times. So, yeah, I, I, I never uh, I never thought about it uh, until you know it was time until I was faced with you know some of the some of the adversities I was uh, when I went down south. But it was a thing to do, and I wasn't afraid, and and uh, felt very confident that that one of the commitments that my coach made uh, to Coach Charlie Bradshaw was that." They would look out for us and protect us as we as we travel to the south, and uh, that's exactly what happened. I'm I'm curious. I don't think we had a chance to talk about this in Lexington, but as you, I mean, you're playing. You're a young guy, and you're 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 trying to go to school and have friends and be a good football player. But things started to happen at other other schools in the aftermath. Uh, how cognizant were you of of what else was happening in the SEC, even even after you got out, and and some of the other schools started to break the color barrier? Well, I think I'm very, very, very cognizant of, of, of that. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you look at if you look at the University of Kentucky, we we uh, uh, the first two African Americans, Nate Northington and Greg Page, came and uh, signed in '66. Houston Hall, Albert Johnson, and myself signed in '67, and then there's a boy there in '68. I don't think there were any African Americans to sign for UK because of, of the tragedy tragedy of Greg's passing, and uh, we certainly weren't encouraging anyone to come in that situation. But but in 1968-69, we had six African-Americans to join us at uh, University of Kentucky. Uh, my, my good friend, Bud, Emmett Buzz Burnham from Clark County, George Rogers Clark, and uh, uh, Arvo Curl from Eastern High School, Daryl Bishop from, from Seneca, Curry East from Seneca, Bill Denny from... Uh, Bill Denny from uh, Louisville Mail, and then uh, Cecil Bourne from Thomas Jefferson. So we started to, you know, to to see that change, and we started to see it all over the SEC. And I was certainly uh, very, very, very happy to be on the on the forefront of, of, of the changing of the landscape in the SEC with uh, African American players being recruited pretty heavily all through the conference. Wilbur, as we close, I know you you have had a very successful life, and your involvement in intercollegiate athletics continues to this day. And, and you probably don't want to be called a hero, but when when I walk by those uh, uh, that monument statues of your of you and your your three colleagues, I mean, I can't help but think of you that way. And I know everyone else uh, feels the same way. But we, we're in your debt, and we always appreciate your time, and look forward to seeing you hopefully again in a couple of months. Thank you, Paul, and I do appreciate it. And that statue was uh, was something very special and initiated by my teammates. They signed a petition uh, initiated uh, by a group of, of, of men and, and headed by Paul Kerm. And it was just a uh, – I didn't expect it to happen. 50 years, there was no statue, and when they when it did happen, I was certainly – we were certainly grateful, um, but uh, certainly grateful for the, the University of Kentucky athletic family. Uh, thinking enough of us to, uh, you know, to to put the statue on the campus. Wilbur Hackett Jr. Always uh, a pleasure and uh, an honor to talk to.
to you. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much, William. But we head uh, to the break right now. A few minutes remaining here on a Thursday night. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Kia Jackson, this ought to be a great game. Tennessee on the road in Georgia. Closer to home. AJ is up next. You know, Paul, this has been an absolutely extraordinary show. I mean, you know, I'm going to be real serious and and not cut up uh, like I normally do. It it really has. You you hit a home run with a loaded loaded pack of of extraordinary callers and uh, guests on here today. That that last guest was uh, that was a that was a fantastic interview. Uh, The Kevin Steele one, though, Paul, that's one I want to talk about. You know, it's good to see, you know, a coach that can that just got off the fresh off the press, so to speak, to be able to open up and say a lot of things according to the NIL and, and, and the portal, to be able to say what a lot of coaches want to say but cannot, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I found that very uh, insightful and, uh, and, and I appreciated it. And uh, Kevin Steele's – when next you don't have to prop up Kevin Steele. When Nick Saban calls him when he needs somebody that he knows he needs, that's a hell of a man. That's a hell of a coach. And for a legend to call on you, of course you're going to answer the phone. And he did. He he was there. And, you know, I love him. I always have, no matter where he was at. And uh, another thing, the call with uh, Miss Sullivan, uh, that, that was heartwarming. And, you know, rest in peace, TB, number 88, you will be missed. Yeah, you know, I didn't mention this now, earlier, AJ, but but Terry Beasley, uh, just to put him into perspective, is one of only three Auburn players to ever have their numbers retired. Oh, he's legendary. But Bo, uh, legendary. Bo and, and obviously Pat Sullivan. I mean, that's. I mean, that, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I did a good enough job of trying to describe how important he is and remains to Auburn people. Oh, absolutely! He'll. I mean, he, he. You can't say Pat Sullivan without saying Terry Beasley. No, you really can't. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't say Auburn without saying Terry Beasley. I mean, for real. But uh, he ranks up there with with a great with all with all the all time greats of Auburn and of all SEC football players. If you know, to be honest. But uh, you know, speaking of SEC football, um, you know, Paul, did I hear Legend the other day say? 
was he? He was. He was absolutely celebrating one recruit, one guy that recommitted one time, one recruit. Where's Alabama football gotten to, Paul? When you're only set, would you have ever known that you your career that you'd say, well, legend calls in and celebrates one recruit. I mean, that, that's when they're at the bottom of the barrel over there in Tuscaloosa. One recruit. I mean, they're jumping up in the sky, grabbing rainbows, blowing bubbles. They're sending off. They're buying early chocolates and sending them for Valentine's Day. I mean, where is Alabama's football program? And the key puzzle that they need for Ryan Williams to be Ryan Williams, the, the great that they think, is about to head to the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Crubs. That's a pit. That is a monumental. If they don't keep him, it's over. I mean, they, what is he going to do now? He's going to lose the guy that helped him get to where he was and got this job, Coach Debo. I mean, so it's a bad time in Alabama, and it's okay, Paul, for you just to let down. Just, hey, AJ, just let, does it? Does it, does it does this, do you feel better saying all this? Is this? Like a like a stiff drink to you that it relaxes you to trash Alabama, even though nothing that you've said is accurate. Oh, uh, it, Grubbs is not about to leave. He's not under a uh, uh, heavy contract negotiation right now. Yeah, somehow I I, I believe uh, that the school would be able to survive losing an offensive coordinator, but. This is my first week on the job, so I'll have to defer to AJ on that. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.